story and this one is might I say excellent <laughs> I am proud and boyishly giddy to announce he will be back Arnold the governor Schwarzenegger is returning for a for a Terminator 5 not many details are known yet but most likely he'll he will reprise his role as our favorite T101 cybernetic organism living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Also in the works is a Conan movie. And get this, triplets. You make that money back, Arnold. Whatever you have to do, you go, boy. Sold the very, 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 very first Batmobile designed for the 1960s Batman TV series starring Adam West. Sold for $4.62 million at auction. It was sold by the car's designer, George Barris, or George Barry, of you are France, who kept the car after the show ended. A small tidbit of info, they made six Batmobiles throughout the span of the show, and this Batmobile was purchased by a Phoenician man named Rich Champagne, who said he was going to tear down a wall in his house so he could put the mobile in his man cave. Thanks for the free parking. Jokes aside, this week marks the five-year death anniversary of Heath Ledger. The Australian actor who played the Joker died at 28 from a lethal cocktail of prescription and non-prescription sleeping pills. What's weird is that in a New York Times interview after filming The Dark Knight, Ledger described how he had restless nights because he couldn't stop thinking about his daughter. So he'd take one ambient and then another and another, and man, it's just tragic. In lighter news, Walt Disney has asked retired artist Drew Struzan to design art for Star Wars Episode 7 and beyond. Struzan designed the original artwork from all other Star Wars films and Harry Potter, if you know that movie slash book series. And I believe if we really wish really hard upon a falling star from a galaxy far, far away and probably tweet him a lot and whatnot, he may just come out of retirement again, old Drewster. He will have time to think about it since the film is set for 2015. That is two years away, but we still have to make plans. In other star news, because I really like putting my star news together, maybe I should make a segment or something out of this later. A new Star Trek Into Darkness premiere will have a spot during the Super Bowl, which is another reason to check out the Super Bowl if you don't know what the Super Bowl is. And it will become and it will be accommodated by an augmented reality app for smartphones that basically scans stuff in a Star Trek-like fashion and gives you exclusive content, yada yada yada, and teasers for the movie that J.J. Abrams really loves teasing us. Super Bowl is February 3, and Star Trek Into the Darkness comes out in theaters on May 17th. 2013 will be a good year for geeking out indeed. Marvel has finalized the release date for Iron Man 3. It will be released internationally on April 25, in case you want to fly over to Europe or Asia and get ahead of us here in the States. And then it will geek out in theaters domestically on May 3rd. Hmm... Now that I think about it, I wonder who would win in a fight, Iron Man or an army of Terminators. Now listen to this. Frank Darabont, who's worked on the the Shawshank Redemption, the Green Mile, and The Walking Dead, is writing legendary pictures Godzilla reboot, which is to be directed by Gareth Edwards. From what Edwards has stated in interviews, the movie is targeted to be a lot darker and grittier than the previous 25 films, with an emphasis on how scary and ferocious Gojira, Gojira, Gojira is. Uh, I'm not a movie expert, but I'm seeing a lot of CGI in my crystal ball. My CGI crystal ball, that is. The new epic reboot of Godzilla geeks out on May 16th of 2014. But you know what? This is 2013. I come to theaters this week. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, starring Hawkeye or Jeremy Renning, but let's just call him Hawkeye, and Gemma Arterton. 
which is pretty much Van Helsing, but two Van Helsings, Hansel and Gretel, and they go after Blair Witches, I don't know, or something, but let me know how that is in case anyone decides to go watch that. Mm, yes. <laughs> now, I do want to take a quick second to admit when I'm wrong, and let me say I was definitely wrong when I thought that Dread 3D was, was going to be a flop. I rented it on Redbox, and all I can say is that movie was so tight. In fact, it was so tight that it earned the number one spot for DVDs and Blu-ray sales with 650,000 units sold last week. The acclaimed action thriller was also the top film download of the week, dominating all other titles and digital sales. It lost millions in theaters, but the movie took on a second wind after being released for home viewing. What this means for in the future is that uh, maybe there might be a Dread sequel, but for that, only time can be the judge. Hashtag corny. But now let's talk TV. TV party tonight. TV party tonight. We are weeks away from the return of AMC's The Walking Dead. The show will be returning from a two-week or a two-month break that seems like forever. A new trailer for season 3.5 is out, and it shows Daryl and Merle in the governor's gladiator, gladiator-like arena. You can view it on this thing called the internet. It's new, but it's good. Uh, the Walking Dead comes out back to TV on February 10th. We are midwinter, and we can't talk winter without mentioning Game of Thrones. Ironically, however, the show doesn't return to HBO until April 10th. The show's third season will adapt the first half of George R.R. R. Martin's novel, A Storm of Swords. Just wanted to mention that show because I'm out already. This is the Geek Speak Show. Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture. Hey, this is Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, and one of the original founders of Image Comics. I'm Zach Whedon. This is Mark Zickby, writer, producer, and director of Space Command. Hi, this is George Ascenti. I'm Ralph Fakshi. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. People who get it, get it. God bless the geek. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching it with your ears. Oh, just listen. The Geek Speak Show is powered by Collider.com, GeekTyrant.com, Ramascreen.com, and Mightyville.com. Get ready to speak geek on the Geek Speak Show. Here's your host, Henry. And Rachel, she's here too. Hey, Rachel. And me. Hey, I'm here too. It's over, by the way. Uh oh, what's over? Fringe. It ended last Friday. Ah, uh, uh, yes. We'll talk about that with, with Jay when she gets here. She's uh, getting her co- uh, comics commentary. She's getting ready to commentate on comics. So when she's done with that, I'll get her in here. We'll talk Fringe. I'll get the Kleenex ready and everything because uh, it was pretty sad, especially if you're a big fan of Walter. So uh, new show again. It is also the beginning of the year. That means uh, start planning conventions. Big one coming. It's uh, it's a pub- public knowledge, so not no secret. WonderCon Anaheim is happening March twenty ninth through thirtieth. Yes, we'll be there. If you don't want to be there because it's not in San Francisco, we'll be there for you. We got you covered. Don't worry. Rachel will be there. Joe will be there. But watch anyway. Jay will be there also, and I'll be there of course. And we'll talk to um, the cast of a uh, little movie coming out. They trek into the stars, I think, or they go into darkness, something like that. So we'll talk to the cast. Yes, I'll talk to JJ. Thank you. Wow, wow, and me, and me. Well, you can be, you can hold the camera. Oh, oh how nice of you. Yeah, here all day. You, uh, you guys all have to watch. It, it'll, be, it'll be good. But if you, if you all do want to go, whether you're here in San Francisco or there, down there in the LA area or the Anaheim area, if you guys want to go, Passes are available now. So go to Wonder, Wonder Home, WonderConAnaheim.org. Get your ticket. There's a, I think a, you see if 10 bucks, I think it is for, in this economy, you, 10 bucks is a lot. Right, Rachel? That's true. But um, it's totally worth it. Yeah. So go on. The, uh, and again, I'm only assuming that I'm, that's not confirmed yet, but it happened last time. But I'm assuming that the Star Trek cast will be there. I know Mar- I do know that Marvel's going to have a big presence there. In fact, I already arranged a few interviews for you guys with some uh, big Marvel people. So I know they're going to be there. DC is always a big presence at WonderCon. And uh, it'll be probably uh, bigger. Not like the uh, Rachel, you were there that not the WonderCon and slash uh, volleyball slash soccer, whatever else was going on. Yes. Yeah. That weekend. I think this, this time around they have the entire convention, so it's going to be even bigger. It's going to be not as big as Comic Con. I don't think nothing is yet, but it'll it'll be fun, and it's the first one. But either the, way, everyone needs to get their costumes ready. Yes, you, I'm assuming you have one. I have a few. I'm going to go as a podcaster. Aww, don't a worry, of, guys. 
Put Maybe him. we'll get him to be the Hulk or something. Yeah, we'll, put we'll a lot see of thought we into, Well, if you guys mess something up, you'll see me be the Hulk. You don't like me when I'm angry. So uh, this, uh, I mentioned last week, I, I teased a little bit. That we're going to talk conspiracies. No, not that. Not 9-11. Not whatever. This conspiracy is something that you guys like. Ghosts. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> nowhere near fall, but Halloween is my favorite time of the year. So, Rachel, you ready to get scared early in the year? I know you love getting scared. I hate getting scared, but I'll go with you. Fine. So everybody stay right there and we'll look at something that'll make you jump. The stories behind the stories with Mark Arnold exclusively on the Geek Speak show. This is Mark Arnold at the stories behind the stories. And on today's show, we have Joe Staten. And uh, Joe Staten gained notoriety first as the uh, artist and creator of E-Man for Charlton Comics. And he's also worked on things like Green Lantern for DC. Uh, he co-created the Mega Men with Marv Wolfman, and more recently has worked on Scooby-Doo for DC Comics, and is currently the artist uh, with writer Mike Curtis on the Dick Tracy comic strip. Um, hi, Joe. How are you today? I'm good. And uh, let's go back to the beginning of the career since I mentioned that. It's like, what was it like working at Charlton Comics like when you did E-Man? Uh, well, Char- Charlton was, was a very cool place to start out. They uh, um, were notorious for being the bottom of the barrel. They uh, you know, paid very little, but because they weren't paying much, they let you alone and you know, just kind of let you do what you wanted to do. And uh, so uh, I, I could try out different styles, try a little bit of everything. So how did E-Man come out? Did you approach them with that, or were you already working there at that point? Uh, I was already working there, but, but E-Man was originally the uh, the brainchild of Nicola Cuddy. Uh, Nick was had been uh, an assistant to Wally Wood and had uh, signed on as an uh, assistant editor. At, at Charlton, and because he was there, and uh, you know they were willing to try things, uh, they they offered to let Nick try out uh, his idea for a superhero. So, and when Nick thought of it, um, he thought of me. We had done some uh, some horror stories together, so he called me. I got going, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it came along. Very good. Um, so uh, from that, you went on to work at. Marvel and Warren and other publishers, what, what were they like in comparison to Charlton? I mean, I hear different stories, so that's why I always ask questions like that. <laughs> well, every, everything was, you know, different from Charlton. Um, kind of uh, more established uh, places had uh, more of house styles. They expected you to look more like their their product, and but they they did pay more, so you know you you had the trade off, and uh, so uh, you know not as not as much freedom, but uh, more more income. So uh, we're talking with uh, Joe Staten here, and uh, just wanted to bring that up to date. Uh, currently, uh, I think for like the last two years, is that correct? You are now uh, the artist on the daily comic strip, Dick Tracy. How did that come about? Um, well. Over the years, there have been been rumors around that you know somebody was going to retire or that Tracy was opening it up, and I'd turn in my samples and not get the job. So eventually, I you know I really wanted to draw Tracy. It's like kind of the ultimate crime thing, and it's one of my very earliest influences. Even even before Julie Schwartz, I was I was reading Dick Tracy. So uh, my buddy uh, Mike Curtis and I decided, okay, we're just gonna. He's got a, a tribute site for Dick Tracy. We'll just put up some Tracy stuff and have fun with it. And um, I'd, I'd done other Tracy stuff. If you kind of go searching on the web, you find Tracy things I've done. And so, you know, we're just kind of uh, kind of out there. And uh, came around. Dick Loker was actually retiring from the Tracy strip, and uh, the trip didn't really want a tryout period or you know a cattle call so they figured out who might be doing it and it turns out that it would be me and mike so they called up and and actually just offered it to us out of the blue wow that's great now i understand that uh you know i've talked to mike separately on other occasions he was saying that one of the things you guys are striving for is to bring dick tracy back to 
its origins where he's just a traditional crime fighter with uh strange villains but not you know some of the strange directions that the the strip took in like the 60s and 70s is that correct well, I don't know. Mike's doing something with Moon Maid, so I'm not sure what he's, you know, what he's planning there. But basically, yeah, our, our directions from the trip were we like, you know, Tracy to be a, a tough urban crime fighter, and that's that's how we see him. He's, uh, you know, started out, you know, during the Al Capone days and going up the, against the gangs and some awfully strange villains. So we're trying to, well. Take take Tracy back to his roots and uh, kind of keep him a little bit current too. So, uh, yeah, we're def- definitely trying to do a traditional Tracy. So does he have a two way iPad now? Actually, strange that you should, should mention <laughs> it. It got to the point that that there was really no more possibility of miniaturizing things to put on Dick Tracy's wrist radio ready wrist tv right. so what what tracy wears now is a device we call the wrist wizard ah. which is uh kind of um it's it's from diet smith of course who develops such things and it it has uh it it ties into like the ultimate apps which you don't know about but there is the super secret security cloud which uh law enforcement officials and uh and uh intelligence uh, agencies can can download uh, uh, all sorts of apps from, so that when Tracy needs some, oh, and Tracy's Tracy's wrist wizard uh, does three uh, D holographic projections of whoever he's talking to. So, you know, whatever Tracy needs at the moment, he can download from the super secret app uh, cloud anything he needs. Wow, and that's you know, crazy. that's it's gotta be really hard to update that. The only only thing left is to, you know, go with some kind of implants or something. But uh, right. <laughs> try, trying trying to keep Tracy, you know, current. So we he's he's in there trying. That's very good. Okay. Well, um, Joe, I wanted to thank you for talking with me today. I was just wondering if there is uh, a place where we can see you and your work, and if you want to plug in any sort of website that uh, we could see your work. Well, there are two things. I, I, I have a um, website, uh, thanks thanks to my pal Chris Mills and his wife Brandy. They put it together for me, www.joestaten.com, all small letters, and I've got a lot of stuff up there. And if you want to follow Dick Tracy, the best place is www.gocomics.com slash Dick Tracy. So follow the Daily Strip there and see what we're doing. I want to thank you, Joe, for being my special guest today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You can hear the complete story behind the stories by going to funideas.50webs.com. That's 50webs.com. Funideas.50webs.com. The stories behind the stories. Exclusively on the Geek Speak Show. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. You are watching and or listening to Geek Speak Show. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching it with your ears. Oh, you just listen. You are just listening to the Geek Speak Show. We're back. Like I said last week, and I teased it a little bit at the beginning of the show, let's talk conspiracies. There is one, there's a lot of conspiracies out there, but there's one that I found out about uh, just uh, early in, earlier this year, which is, what, three weeks ago? Still pretty new. Uh, and that is something that's right up our alley. You guys all love the paranormal stuff when we talk about it. Our Halloween shows are always the most downloaded shows. It's not Halloween. It's not even close to October. Not Yeah, not even close to it. But... Here we're gonna do something scary because you know, like I say all the time, Halloween is my favorite time of the year. We it's like our, my Christmas to me. We celebrate it here all year long. So let's kick it off now. This is something pretty interesting, actually. It's uh, the reason why I call it a conspiracy is because it's there's a lot of secrecy behind it. it, it it's a it's a it's a big cover up. We think maybe we don't know. It's it's called the third. It was something called the third shift. And uh, I was going to explain it to you, but I happen to have somebody on the phone. I'm going to put him through a filter so you're not going to recognize his voice. He he calls himself K5. He's got some inside knowledge on what's uh, Project Eidolon. And so let's get him on and get, find out what, what, what the hell I am talking about. So K5, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Thank you. Good day. Thanks for coming on, first of all. I know it's a big risk for you coming on the show, so thank you for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. 
like I said, uh, I was going to explain it to them, but since you have inside knowledge, why don't you tell everybody what, what is or was Project Eidolon? Project Eidolon was essentially devised as a sort of baby blanket for CIA brass who were uh, fearful that rival nations were investigating and developing the weaponization of paranormal phenomena. Uh, it ends up being essentially a psychic warfare idea revived from the Cold War. Uh, a CIA director decided to deploy three soldiers uh, with a high-tech surveillance camera called the Fiend Camera and sent them on a mission to verify or disprove paranormal activity at a handful of hot spots around the western United States. Now, there's a lot of, you know, like the ghost hunter shows and the, those kind of paranormal shows around. So, you know, at, when people first hear about this, they're like, oh, it's another one of those reality shows. But wh- why why was this a military operation? Well, why, did they, why did you have military people behind it rather than just have, you know, paranormal investigators go out and investigate? This project is essentially a CIA project that utilized military personnel for their specific skills. And you did send me a few things that um, I don't know if you were supposed to or not to, but uh, we'll just say you sent me a little, a little bit of information about Project Eidolon. From what I understand, they, were, they weren't expecting any success, but you know, if, if that was the case, why, why even start a project when, when you don't expect any success out of it? The, the project was created to essentially prove a negative to get the idea out of people's minds that there was any sort of paranormal phenomenon out there and allow the powers that be in the CIA to redirect funding into pet weapons and surveillance projects. There were a couple of higher-ups who had gotten it in their minds that paranormal activity and uh, psychic warfare were viable uh, exploitable ideas and that several other countries were using this technology or this uh, this phenomenon um, and were going to uh, create political advantage with that uh, with that information and Project Eidolon was created just to go out and prove once and for all that no such thing exists and Okay, and, and when did the CIA start, start getting pictures and realizing that, hey, they're actually getting real evidence? The Fiend camera captures such massive amounts of information from so many data streams simultaneously that the operators of the camera are operating blind. The, the data that is captured needs to be collated and processed by a massive mainframe to create usable images that we can actually see. This process can take weeks or months depending on the amount and complexity of the data that is recorded. In the event of Project Eidolon, the image analysis team in Quantico didn't actually start seeing fully rendered images until uh, December 12th of 2002. That's the same day that Project Eidolon was suddenly terminated. Now, you mentioned the uh, the reason why the, the Project Eidolon was, was started for, for political reasons, but you know, looking at, at the world and the, and the public at large, why hide evidence of an afterlife? And don't you think that would change people's minds about how they see just the world or other events? Many of the, the individuals responsible for deploying Project Eidolon are publicly, devoutly religious people who indeed believe in one version or another of an afterlife. The trouble is that no one's ever recorded any truly convincing photographic evidence of that idea. Everyone involved expected Project Eidolon to be a quiet, uh, even tedious mission. No one in power expected any proof of anything at all. Just a safe, prudent dry run for the Fiend camera and a nice, quiet mission for three battle-tested soldiers. Okay, and, and I don't know if you can get into these details, but can you give me their, their name, the names of the three soldiers that went out there and, and what, what happened to them, if you know? I sure can. The three soldiers were Lieutenant Colonel Joseph Miller uh, from the United States Marine Corps, Sergeant Edward Martinez from the United States Army, and Specialist William Clark from the United States Marine Corps, each of them having a special 
And to this day, we don't know exactly what happened to them. They just disappeared. We don't know, but we have theories, and we have you know we have mounting evidence that the three are still alive. We have some uh, surveillance camera footage that would indicate that Edward Martinez um, may still be alive, and um, we have one clip in particular that seems to, to show his pickup being driven uh, um, through the field, through the uh, field of several security cameras. We have some garbled cell phone calls, a couple of encrypted text messages, um, a, a dormant credit card that belonged to Specialist William Clark was um, reactivated from a foreign country, uh, and we it's fair to assume that only he would have the knowledge necessary to reactivate that credit card. Uh, some hotel purchase or hotel stays were paid for with that credit card. No one knows definitively whether these soldiers are alive. We only know that they're they're trusted and respected veterans that appear to have gone into hiding, and we keep uh, we keep discovering um, small pieces of evidence that would indicate that they're alive and on the run. Have any of the higher ups from Project Eidolon have they said? Anything that, yeah, they, they, they're alive or have they contributed to the proof that's out there? Uh, they, they have, from the very beginning, dismissed the entire idea of Project Eidolon um, as, a, you know, as a myth or a legend. Um, they've acknowledged the existence of these three soldiers, um, but have avoided any further questions, uh, stating just uh, you know, general or vague mission secrecy. So they'll acknowledge that these three soldiers exist or existed, but they won't. They don't acknowledge Project Adelon, and they won't discuss where these three soldiers are deployed, whether they're alive or dead, um, whether the CIA has any further concern with them. So, K5, what, what do you hope to do? What do you hope to accomplish by making this knowledge public, that the, the three soldiers are actually still alive? Well, I, uh, speaking for myself and... On behalf of the third shift community, we wish to protect these brave soldiers and honor them for their service. And secondly, the world see the images that were captured third shift and the story of their mission. This interview will continue in a moment. Please stand by. Comics commentary with Jay Gibbs on the Geek Speak Show. This week at Marvel, Uncanny Avengers number three debuts today in your brick and mortar stores. Red Skull is back, and spoilers, he has Professor X's brain, Professor Charles Xavier's brain, was ice cream scooped out of his skull and into the Red Skull, and now he has telekinesis and uh, mind powers, I don't know. Telepathy. Telepathy, that's the, the word that I'm trying to find. <laughs> I'm groping around in the dark here. In DC news, Death of the Family is coming to an exciting conclusion this month with Batman number 17. Also, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, better known as JGL in geek girl circles, broke my damn heart this week by shooting down all rumors of his being the Robin Nightwing character from the Dark Knight saga uh, (laughs) and having a cameo in the Superman reboot Man of Steel coming up uh, this summer. Uh, really, really quick here. I'm, I'm so excited for Man of Steel, but this is not cool, JGL. Not cool. Which, of course, means that rumors of his already having been cast in the 2015 Justice League film have been greatly exaggerated. Say it ain't so. However, in some in the same interview with MTV News, JGL restated that he is excited on being cast in the upcoming long-awaited sequel to Sin City, one of my favorite movies, uh, and the title of that is going to be Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. So gonna kick ass. All of that aside, Image Comics is where it's at this month. If you're like me, uh, which if you're listening to this, I hope you are, or at least I hope you like me. You really do. Uh, (laughs) And you can't wait for AMC's The Walking Dead to come back. Henry always does that. Uh, I can't do the deep gravelly voice thing, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) On uh, February 10th, they're going to be back on the air, but for now... 
I have the perfect thing to pass the time. You can go out and buy the books that the show is loosely based off of, reimagined, reinterpreted, uh, all of that fun stuff. And you can look forward to uh, footage of me at WonderCon, the March the 29th, 30th, and 31st. That's Easter. Um, I'm going to be cosplaying as a mystery uh, character, one of the main characters, I promise you, from The Walking Dead. And uh, I'm going to leave it up to your imaginations. Run wild. Send me emails. <laughs> you can send me suggestions and your own zombie cosplay ideas. Uh, I've done it before. I'll do it again. I'm not afraid. All of that. Um, all right. I'm, I'm getting way too overwhelmed. I'm getting emotional. I really am. I'm verklempt. Um, I also highly recommend from Image Comics picking up Brian K. Vaughn's Saga that has just returned from its own mid-season hiatus. Issue number nine is on shelves right now, came out last week, and uh, next month, ten is going to be out right on time. This epic space opera was the Geek Speak Show's 2012 pick for Best New Comic Series. Uh and uh, it earned it. It's a love story between high fantasy, warring alien races, and they're trying to protect their newborn daughter, who's also the narrator of the story. And the art is amazing, and there's a lot of violence and nudity, and it's an oddly emotional, wonderful story about coming of age. And uh, there's some monster bounty hunters who are all intergalactic and Boba Fett-like. I, I know you're listening, Rachel. That's just for you. <laughs> and uh, they may or may not have a heart of gold hidden deep down in, in their, their dark souls. So if you're into any of that stuff, if you like Star Wars, if you like the Elric saga way back in the day in the 70s, um, if you are into sci-fi, fantasy, if you're into really good artwork and thinking outside the box, pick up Saga. I beg of you, it needs more love. Um, and there's already a ravenous fan base, even though it's got less than 10 issues and it's been out for less than a year. All right, so that pretty much wraps it up for me. And I will see you next Wednesday, because Wednesday's new comic book day. This is Mark Zigby, writer, producer, and director of Space Command, and you're listening to the Geek Speak Show. Hey everybody, we are back with the Geek Speak show and today we are talking to Ed Raker. He is the creator slash publisher of The Third Shift Story, um, which you can take a look at all the cool stuff they have, which uh, includes a, a book that you can download into your iPads or iThings uh, and a calendar. And that's at thirdshiftconspiracy.com. So Ed, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thank you very much for having me. Anytime. So I got to take a look uh, actually at the story on my iPad, which looks amazing, um, and the calendar that you happen to have on the website. So Thank tell me you. why you went with the calendar, um, other than like a movie or something else crazy. The calendar image, uh, the calendar idea was a way to display images in a large format in a way that people use every day. And I like the idea of being able to extend a story throughout the year. Uh, the calendar is good for that. And That's true. I would, I'd love to make a movie, but I'm a little short on financing. Um, it's uh, significantly less expensive to make a calendar than to gather many millions of dollars and convince people to, uh, to make a movie. But, you know, um, the future's unwritten. We could see a third shift movie someday, but right now a calendar is a good way to get the project into a lot of people's hands and uh, start growing that story world. And the calendar has a lot of the pictures that are actually in the story itself, um, which are pretty cool, by the way. So you guys should all take a look at it. Um, so I, I was looking through them uh, in the story, uh, and I wanted to know if you guys went on location um, to take those pictures or if you guys built a lot of it in 3D or had a set for it. Tell me about how you created those. It was all done on location, and the locations were chosen on a handful of different, for a handful of different reasons. Um, one was, are they creepy? Um, I did a lot of research to find abandoned buildings and interesting places with creepy or haunted or paranormal stories behind them. And secondly, we needed to be able to get access safely and legally. And uh, third, um, I needed to look at images of the location and feel confident that I could write a story um, that 
that would fit appropriately with the location. Yeah, I, when I was looking through, actually, some of them, some of them are like really creepy, like like in the book where some of the kids actually had like night terrors from these, <laughs> and some <laughs> some of them make you like want to stare at them longer. So, did you actually come up with the stories behind each one of those? I did. A couple of the stories were inspired by um, the you know the mythology of a given location. The uh, um, the young woman who is floating above a path near the uh, Palace Verde's lighthouse, the Point Vicente lighthouse, was right. inspired by the fact that there are multiple stories of uh, ghostly, diaphanous women, um, you know, making their uh, haunted appearances at that location. That's awesome. I know that there's a lot of stories we were talking about actually at Halloween, um, all the different places that we've all been and all the crazy stuff that happens. So I like that you actually tied it into something that really has existed in our world. Great. It was a, it was a, an amazing adventure to go to all these places. I saw so much more of Los Angeles and the Western United States with this project than I would have seen without it. Well, and so another cool thing I thought you did actually is is in the book. So if you guys go to the thirdshiftconspiracy.com, there's a package where you can get the story and the calendar and then you get those 3D glasses and then some of those pictures actually become 3D when when you're wearing the glasses of course. Uh, that that's pretty awesome and it should make it creepier, right? Right. And the the 3D aspect was just an idea. It was a method to make the story more immersive. Um, I um, had been having some discussions with a couple of buddies of mine who are uh, conspiracy buffs and who were regular viewers of some, uh, uh, let's say, paranormal-based reality shows. And their complaint was always that the payoff was never there in those in those shows about tracking down ghosts and haunts and so on. And I said to them that I was going to make make it my mission to deliver a collection of images that actually rewarded people with uh, real ghost images rather than uh, sounds that were just off camera and. Um, you know, floating dust orbs and so forth. I wanted people to be able to really experience some immersive uh, ghost story uh, rather than um, than uh, leaving disappointed. And and I think that's actually a great way to do that. So we're talking to Ed Raker, everyone, uh, creator, publisher of Third Shift 3D Calendar, uh, which you can find on thirdshiftconspiracy.com, of course, or in the links section uh, on our website. So... The, the calendar that you have going on now, um, that's for 2013, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, so what are we looking at for 2014? We've explored a handful of different ideas. Um, they all continue the story of the third shift. Uh, we've got one that we're, that we're, let's say, that we're paying a lot of attention to right now and that we're exploring with um, some additional creative types. Um, it's all in the works, and I wish I could say more. Um, I'll reveal this one uh, bit, and that is that um, there is evidence in the third shift world that there is a second fiend camera out there, and that um, it's possible that another group of interested parties have obtained that second fiend camera and gone on their own mission. And that might be part of the 2014 calendar. Hey, Ed, it's Henry. How you doing? Hi, oh, hey. So, so I have the calendar actually here in my hands. It's in the studio, and I can't get Joel and everybody else away from it. it, it it's, a, it's a distraction here, a good distraction, though. Um, <laughs> but let me go back to the – you mentioned the story. When you were writing the story, did, did you plan – you know, beyond just what we see in the in the ebook and in the calendar, you planning beyond that? Like, like you just mentioned right now, the second fiend camera. Is, is there anything? Uh, is there a big old story, basically, so that so that you can have follow ups? Yes, there there is there is a second chapter to this story, but that second chapter came about about halfway through the development of the first chapter, um, as I began to share. You know the. As I began to share the project with, uh, you know, trusted creatives and friends, um, I realized that if the 
first chapter was a success that I needed to have plans for where I was going to go with the second chapter. And I began writing that right away so that I'd have a really clear creative direction. Who helps you on the calendar? I mean, with the, the photographs and everything, who's, who's behind yeah. the scenes with you? There have been a ton of just incredibly creative, helpful people involved um, that start with my uh, beloved and supportive wife, Amy, and then uh, literally too many people to mention. Um, all the actors uh, in the photographs are friends. Many of them are working professional actors or models. Um, a couple are just regular Joes like me that happened to understand the concept and were surprisingly comfortable in front of the camera and were willing to go to weird, creepy, or unusual locations. Besides, besides doing shows like this, how else are you getting the word out about the calendar? I've been, um, I've been on the long, steep learning curve of social media, which is, you know, as yeah, of right there with curve, it's fairly new to me. Um, I've mailed out a lot of calendars to a lot of people. Uh, we've got a couple of contests in the works. Um, I've attended some paranormal functions, um, you know, where I asked ahead of time if I could show up and share my project and solicit people's ideas and feedback. And it's really, really grassroots. Um, it's a slower process than I imagined, but it's much, much more rewarding than I knew it would be. You know, don't feel too bad about just jumping on the social media. Rachel can attest to this. I'm <laughs> just, I just got a smartphone. Okay, I'm right. dragging him along, kicking and screaming. Great. Well, you know what? I'm still not there. I, I, I have an iPad that I use extensively, but I have resisted the smartphone, but I know it's in my very, very near future as well. I'm actually getting kind of spoiled with it. Oh, I got to be honest. It's making me a little bit lazy, to be, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's a pretty powerful distraction. If it could cook and do the laundry, hey, I'm set. Well, then I, I own one already. Yeah, so we're, we're talking to Ed Raker. He is the uh, the creator, the publisher, the Third Shift Conspiracy 3D Calendar. It's on our link section. You guys can go on there or go directly there, thirdshiftconspiracy.com. Uh, have you thought about it? Have you thought about uh, taking it to the conventions? Uh, you're in the uh, Southern California yeah. area, I'm assuming? I'm, I, I have been, part of this project has been based in Southern California, and part of it has been based in Minneapolis. I'm in Minneapolis as we speak. Um, I have thought about going to the conventions, but I think that conventions um, will more likely be a part of the 2014 calendar because it's um, nearing the end of January and calendar purchases begin to evaporate about now. Yeah. Uh, so I'll continue promoting the story and adding additional content and so forth. But the uh, no one wants a, a 2013 calendar in July. So I, I will That's be doing the summer uh, convention tour. Yeah, which unfortunately you're you're right and i say unfortunately because you know this is perfect for october for you know my favorite time of the year halloween but like you said you know they don't want to buy a account a calendar they can use for what two three months and then that's right right exactly although they can keep looking at the pictures though that those are pretty cool and the third shift conspiracy ebook will be re-released in about two months uh with a more novelized version and that'll be available on amazon and ibooks and so forth Okay. Oh, I'm excited for that. And uh, I will make sure that you get complimentary copies on the very first day. Thank you for that. Yes, thank you very much. All yeah. right, guys. So if you're looking for scary pictures, interested in paranormal stuff whatsoever, and a good story, then Ed Raker's got it, thirdshiftconspiracy.com, or the links page on our website. You need to make sure to check it out. Yeah, And Ed, do, do keep in touch. Whatever, whatever happens, any updates you have, we'll get you on, and we'll talk about them on the show. I will, and thank you so much for your interest. Thank you for your great podcast. I really appreciate it. You guys are great fun. Yeah, and thanks again for sending us the calendar. We all, like I said, it's a very fun distraction here in the studio. <laughs> uh, I'll send a couple more so that you can distract some more people. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, maybe not Joe. We can't get him on the show as it is, so maybe <laughs> not Joe. So, but uh, again, Ed Raker, thanks a lot for coming on. You're welcome back anytime. Like I said, let, let us know what's going on with the, the calendar and any follow-ups yes. to the third shift. Thanks, Henry. Thanks, Rachel. And as you always Thank say, you, remember the third shift. Hey, Joel. Jay. Hey, hey Henry. Henry. That sounded like romper room, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I see. Henry uh, I'm looking at Joel, Joel, but actually, let me ask Jay this. You ready for a quickie? 
Um, wow. That's Quickie her. forward of you. <laughs> Let's do this. Should I leave the room? Well, I'll share. <laughs> no, How you about... have to hold the camera, Joel. Oh, yeah. Tell me who you want. We can have You can have either Jeremy Renner or Gemma Arterton. Who is who, she? Who's playing Mary Jane? Well, let's find out. Ready for a quickie? Here we go. Are you ready? Here's Geek Speak Show quickie. Opening this Friday is Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters in 3D. Of course, if that's not big enough for you, in IMAX 3D. Or in plain old 2D, if you prefer that. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. Hassel and Gretel Witch Hunters rated PG-13. Stars Hawkeye. You know him better as Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton. Also stars Famke Jensen, Peter Stormare. Zoe Bell is in there also. It's Hansel and Gretel. The story that we all remember with a little twist. They're witch hunters, and you, I'm, I'm going to stop right there. We're going to hear from Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton right now who play Hansel and Gretel. So the first question is... Like I said, we all know the story of Hansel and Gretel, so what is the premise of this? What is, what, what's so, how's this one different from the uh, fairy tale we all grew up with? The premise is that, you know, these two kids that uh, defeated this witch when they were, you know, young and traumatized, what happened to them? You know, 15 years later, they've grown up and they've become these bounty hunter, witch-killing, fantastic kind of celebrities in the witch-killing world. And, yeah, and it's, uh, it's good fun. And very, very uh, uh, action-filled and adventurous. Jeremy, tell us about you. I play uh, Hansel, and this would be my sister Gretel. And uh, you know, I, I feel like they're—they don't exist without each other. You know, it's uh, one of those sort of acting in tandem moments. Um, and I was attracted to this story because I, I love the relationship between brother and sister. I just think it's really dynamic. I have a very complicated one. I think they all are. Mm-hmm. And Same. I, I think we were able to sort of explore that in this. Yeah. I think it's rare to have a, a brother and sister duo, you know, and, and especially an action duo. And and they sort of support each other. It's not like two police cops or whatever. You know, there's this emotional... Um, emotional drive for, for the both of them is, uh, that's inexplicable and that was really fantastic to play that was the kind of the, the central core of the whole piece so since you guys play witch hunters in this you can't just kill one witch and you know because that's the end of the movie so is there a main villain or is we're going to see a series of villains in, in uh, Hansel and Gretel witch hunters it's Funka <laughs> yeah, no, but, but Vanka, she plays the, the kind of the, the, the queen bee of witches. So uh, we don't know she exists in the beginning, so we've, we discover her. She sort of challenges all of the, what we're used to with witches. You know, she has different powers and things like that. So she's pretty badass. So both of you are no strangers to big action movies. Gemma, you've been in uh, Clash of the Titans and you're a Bond girl. Jeremy, you were in a sort of big movie last summer. Um, how is this one different, how, if at all? How is this one different, action-wise, compared to those movies that you've been in before? It's like anything. I, yeah, I think you're absolutely specific for this. This is very different, I think, than any other movie, um, in the action side of it, anyway. Mm. This is like more of a Western style of fighting or getting beaten up, really, is really what I had to learn how to do in this, is just get my... My butt handed to me, you know, (laughs) which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Jeremy, we've seen you be deadly accurate with a bow and arrow. How do you hunt witches? I have this sort of like random shotgun kind of, you know, they have these sort of like modern flair to them. Um, It's also because it's a fantasy movie. We're shooting witches. So why not be able to have a shotgun? But also it looks like it was made from what our surroundings are. So it's something really quite queer and lovely about them. Um, then we have these little weird, quirky handguns. Mm, you have that great knuckle duster. Oh, yeah, yeah, like the brass knuckle thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was all sorts of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it? Gemma, what weaponry do you employ in uh, Hunting Witches? I have a double-action crossbow, which is pretty slick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, she, uh, it's, it was really heavy, actually, my, my crossbow. It, and uh, I have to run around with it and do all these things with it. But it, it And it also is kind of like a... a very, very, very fast shooting. So um, it's like a gun and a crossbow combined. Um, but it's, it looks really cool and uh, kills things efficiently. We're talking to Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton, stars of Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, opening this Friday in theaters across the country in 3D and IMAX 3D and regular 2D if you prefer that. Now, like I said, we all, we're all familiar with the Hansel and Gretel story. 
And when you think Hansel and Gretel, not only do you think the two brother and sister, but the gingerbread house. Now, without spoiling anything, is that in this film? Well, it's so iconic, isn't it? The candy house. I mean, it's uh, actually, that's what I think of when I think of Hansel and Gretel is the candy house. And so the day when I saw the exterior set of that um, in the forest, in situ, all done, I was really, that was, I took a photograph of it because it was, you know, it was such a, it's it's so iconic. I had to, like, tear a little piece just to see if it was candy. Just had to check. It just tastes yeah, like it's styrofoam. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, why can't it be cotton candy? Yeah, why can't it be real? <laughs> Seeing as how it's based on a fairy tale, is there a fantasy feel to it, or is it more action-adventure? They did a really wonderful job mm. to to create a look for this movie, and those are some of the first things I was really attracted to. And um, Designers behind it were, were, were tremendous, and it wasn't, wasn't easy also to make something that looks cool and very functional at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, not an easy task. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, be, to be very, very fluid and move around and, and, and get beat up and roll around and have to do a lot of strange things. And especially when you start wearing tight leather. It's like, that there can be very few, limiting, like, but they did a wonderful, wonderful job with it, I think. I think. I thought the costumes were fantastic. Uh, Lots of leather, tight leather for me. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple of split pants situations yeah. I remember there. that one, yeah, I remember that. You remember that? that? Yeah. <laughs> like, that oh awesome. dear. That was awesome. <laughs> Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters is directed by Tommy Workola. What kind of vision did he bring to this? Again, is it more, was he leaning more action-packed or more, you know, towards a light and fantasy kind of movie? Yeah, a lot of fun, collaborative. Collaborative is the great word. Yeah, he, I mean, he's got this sick mind, actually, like, you know, in terms of violence and story Mm. and comedy, all of these things that he, you know, his previous movies was so sort of um, unique in, in its tone and so he brings that into this and and, and, and he's and he's a great collaborator I mean he wants to hear even though he wrote it and you know he wants to have our input and so it became a richer experience and um, and, and also he's got this uh you know, he was really strong in his ideas of what he wanted, you know, with this film. And we had a lot of not so much CGI because of that. He was really like, no, 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 I want this animatronic and I want this. And it was great for us, therefore. Yeah. Now, I know you guys are the witch hunters and, you're, and witches are your mortal enemies in the movie. But, you know, as actors having to go through all these uh, action scenes, was there any one witch that, you know, you, you consider your favorites? Wow. Zoe's witch. Uh, yeah, she's a, she's a gnarly one. The that first was, witch she's that like we a killed. walking wart. She did, and you know that she stank. Yeah. She's the one that we, uh, you know, hang from the feet and then Jeremy shoots her in yeah, the face. Yeah. But she just, like, absolutely repulsive. Yeah, they, but yeah, again, makeup, <laughs> again, it was, so, it was all practical. So yeah. it, the day we had in the stone circle with all the hundreds and th- hundreds of witches. It was, uh, it was fun. And then they're flying off on, you know, on a wire, of course, but practical. So it's like literally pew, pew, pew. All these yeah. witches are flying all around. Was, you know. So great. But like, I don't know if there's a favorite one. They're all kind of wonderfully creepy and, and uh, disgusting in their own right. You know? mm. and, and again, without giving anything away, is there, do you guys have, is there one favorite scene for you, whether it's an action scene or, you know, more of a character-driven scene? Is there? Any, do you guys have a, a favorite scene in the movie? I love the scene in the bar where Thomas Mann's character comes in, Ben, the fanboy, and uh, I think because you get to see a bit of our relationship, like their natural kind of chilled relationship, and uh, and I love the scene where we are reunited after all the trauma and stuff. Because again, it's them, it's the it's the relationship of those two. And then you've got all of the action scenes, which are just fun and in your face. Yeah. So again, to finish it off, and again, no spoilers, what can we look forward to this weekend when we go see Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? I think you can grab some popcorn and a soda and you sit down and go on a great ride. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because it is quite, it is very violent. It's so violent that it's funny as well. So I think that's uh, the, the violence and, and comedy aspect of it, that balance is really kind of... Really fun. So that is Hansel and Gretel from Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters in 3D. Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton opens this Friday in IMAX 3D, 3D, 2D, whichever way you want to see it. Just go out there and, like like Jeremy said, enjoy a fun ride before we kick off the madness that is summer blockbuster season. Again, it's Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Thank you again to Paramount Pictures, MGM, for providing those interviews with us and get you guys all excited for Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters in 3D. 
It's time for the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Uh-huh. Our books or graphic novels. Tell us what your favorites are. Books at thegeekspeakshow.com. That's books at thegeekspeakshow.com. Books uh-huh. is something that I haven't touched all week because there are some bigger issues going on. But I know you two have, so what are you... What's a book? What are your <laughs> books? Well, Jay, what's your book? My Joel, book. what's your comic strip? <laughs> so for Book Club this week, I am taking a page out of Joel's playbook, and I am reviewing a graphic novel or comic book. Hey, hey. <laughs> it's a comic book collection. This is the epic title, Hold On to Yourselves, Buffy the Vampire Slayer On Your Own. It is the On Your Own arc, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 9, Volume 2, by Andrew Chambliss, Scott Alley, Georges Gianti, Jeff Richards, and executive produced by this guy named Joss Whedon. What kind of name is that? But uh, My name's Joss. <laughs> My name's Joss. It's like Josh, but not, because I'm cool. <laughs> he makes more money than I will ever see. I, I think we got him good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that scary ginger. But uh, I digress. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer on your own is a much talked about controversy in comics last year because in it um, and in the issues leading up to it, uh, season nine, volume one. uh, So the first seven issues, I believe, are compiled in that. uh, Buffy believes that she is pregnant she is fushes up the spout and she's talking to spike and other people in her life about the possibility of having a slayer abortion what seriously (laughs) right and uh there's a lot of other things going on but that's really the the kickoff of the plot is her testing positive on a pregnancy test and being like what am i gonna do and um i'm a retest (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's basically what it comes down to. Because spoilers, I, I hate to give this away, but it's really important that I do uh, in order to express my feelings about the book, which are mixed. Um, they're, they're on a slightly darker shade than, than I had hoped. Because um, I was like, wow, you know, controversy, and that's really cool. And they're talking about women's issues, and that's really relevant, and now, and hip. And uh, no, it's not. <laughs> Because <laughs> it turns out that it was a mistake and she's not really pregnant. In fact, she's not even really Buffy. And it's a really long, convoluted story. I won't give away the big spoiler twist ending. It's very M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, how dare you, Joss Whedon? How dare you yank my chain like that? But uh, <laughs> the uh, George's Janty's artwork is breathtaking. And he really captures the emotions and the characters' faces flawlessly plus the action scenes as always they're fighting a new breed of zompire now which is a zombie vampire which is awesome but uh <laughs> if if you're into that kind of thing which i totally am it's it's a lot of fun and uh it reminds me that i shouldn't take my comic books quite so seriously joel <laughs> my choice for the book club this Week is similar to Jay's about a pregnant man named Harvey Picard. <laughs> pregnant with <laughs> yes. a vision. Yeah, my choice is the new American Splendor Anthology written by the late Harvey Picard. Picard? 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 Whatever you want to call him. He's not with us anymore, but we will Aww. honor his spirit by talking about him some more because he liked being talked about. Anyways, Harvey Picard was a writer who kind of just wrote about the, you know, the everyday occurrences that happen in life. It's very mundane. Mundane very utility. It's important. Mundanity. <laughs> yeah, but it, uh, you know, it, it's really, you know, if we, as we comic geeks get a little older, we start to realize that we have issues like getting changed. Not just monthly issues. Getting changed for a dollar or having to do laundry or washing the dishes. And getting it, your first gray hair. And it becomes an adventure, you know. And for Harvey Bacar, you know, the things that he wrote about were just very simple, everyday things that we could relate to, and that's why I liked it. Talk um, about the artwork, Joel. Let's talk about artwork. We have artwork by, in this anthology, there's artists like R. Crum, Val Mayerk, Frank Stack, Paul Meridis, and Greg Budget, just to name a couple just to name five, actually. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like some of it is really funny. You, it's a, it's kind of like one of those like slow, I have to read it twice, but then when I read the second time, it's, you know, you start to be like, ooh, that is pretty funny. And to demonstrate this, I will read a small excerpt from a random page. Kids, stay in school or you'll end up like Joel reading on the radio. Here you go. 
here's Harvey Picard in a sec in a let me see let me let me find a good one in this drawing he says get out get out from here it scared me you broke the chair you breaking everything you get out from my house and that's Harvey Picard American Splendor no it isn't that's just <laughs> proof that you can actually read <laughs> that's the Geekspeak Show book club tell us what your favorite books or graphic novels are books at thegeekspeakshow.com and that is the show for this week. Next week. What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? We're going to go inside a stomach. Ew. Like the magic school bus? No, like Jaws. Ooh. So, what do we, wait, what do we say every week? Uh, we'll see you next time where we will speak more geek. Uh, Henry, stop hitting me. Yeah, that too. <laughs> stop beating <laughs> me. Come on back. Joel. We'll stop abusing Joel, maybe. <laughs> oh. The Geek Speak Show will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, follow them on Twitter at GeekSpeakShow1. That's the number one. Become a fan on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Watch special event coverage and the GeekSpeak video show on YouTube slash GeekSpeak videos. And listen to past shows in the archive section on thegeekspeakshow.com. A big thank you to the GeekSpeak Show's content providers, GeekTyrant.com, Collider.com, Ramascreen.com, and MightyVille.com.